You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this week as we talk about the invisible pilot. This one's a bit of a roller coaster, so I hope you have a good cup of coffee, a nice cozy blanket, maybe a mm-hmm. security pillow of some sort. Indeed. Yeah. You're going to have to do this one in a couple different sittings, in my mind, anyway. Like, the podcast or the, the show? No, 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 the show. Since it's okay. like a three-parter, right? Is this a yes. little longer than ones we normally do? Yes, you're going to be so engaged or enraged by our podcast. You're going to be, and just, <laughs> I'm going to have to pause this just a moment. And then I'm going to come back to it when I have a, a better hold of my emotions. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we bring that out of people. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is three episodes. Each one is about mm-hmm. an hour long. It was released in 2022. Actually, the last episode just came out like middle of March and it's on HBO Max. It is directed by Phil Lott and Ari Mark. And I also wrote down Craig Hodges, although yeah. he isn't one of the directors. He's one of the creators and he's mentioned quite a bit throughout. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of the originator of this film. Yeah, I thought it was cool that he... I don't know if they talk a lot about documentaries, like what got you interested in the story, but he was very close to the story because he knows Mm -hmm. one of the people in it. And just, I think it just resonated with him a lot. And he's like, I need to know all of this because it's crazy. (laughs) It is a crazy story. I thought I have had a fairly interesting life, right? Oh yeah. I've done a lot of stuff. I've traveled. Mm -hmm. But now I feel very white bread. Very boring. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You just can't compete with stuff like this. No, you really can't. And the more I go, the more I'm like, oh, now I see how he's done all this stuff. He's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that helps. It does help. He admits, oh, it. He admits it. I know okay. he does. I mean, he oh, can stay in his lane. I will say that. He's not mm-hmm. fooling anybody with any of this. So, well, except that one time he did the thing. Yeah. And then he just okay. fooled everybody for like 10 years. So, yeah. He's fooling everybody. Okay. We're talking mm-hmm. about Gary Betzner. So Gary Betzner, back in the 70s, he was a crop duster, which is apparently mm-hmm. fairly dangerous work, but looked like he had a lot of fun. Everyone described him as kind of a crazy flyer. He has had, mm-hmm. he had 11 plane crashes and walked away from all of them. So that just seems, the way they describe it seems irresponsible right like he's just fucking around and then yeah now you've crashed a plane now you didn't get hurt good I hope no one else got hurt usually I think they're in the the plane by themselves but that's still a lot of money in the planes and you could hurt someone on the ground you know what I mean it just I'm guessing you have to insure a plane like does he have to get the general of plane insurance at some point like you can't get (laughs) like Mm -hmm. a legit insurance you just have to go for like the highest one ever I have no idea. And back in the 70s, even, I have no idea how any of that works. No, that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. He's one of these bigger than life characters, right? That Mm -hmm. everybody's like got great stuff to say. And he's probably a blast at parties. But to live with Mm -hmm. him is probably fucking miserable. 
Oh, God, I can't imagine, right? (laughs) It's also, they live in Hazen, Arkansas. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you have been to Arkansas, but it's it's a really interesting state. It's one of those states that I often forget exists. Mm -hmm. But I've been there only a couple times, and it's the dichotomy. Like, you will have this big, huge mansion, and then in the front yard, you'll have, like, a trailer or two. And Mm -hmm. it just, my brain can't make it work right. Yeah, they mentioned a couple times, too, that this is in the middle of the Bible Belt. And I always laugh mm-hmm. when I hear that because I was like, is the Bible Belt just, like, the whole middle of the United States? Like Everything have... except for the edges, yes. Right, yes. I'm <laughs> like, I thought we were in the middle of the Bible Belt. That's yes. a wide belt. It's a, it's a really wide belt, very fashionable. Right. Yes. Nice yeah. buckle. Mm-hmm. Really going to pull you in. That's what's nice about it. Cinch <laughs> up. Your figure will be super flattered by the the wideness of the Bible Belt. Yes. Yes. So Gary Betzner, I have daring pilot, charismatic. They talk early on about to his second wife, Sally. Mm-hmm. They also mention his first wife, Claudia. I think this thing skips around quite a bit at the beginning. I think it's sort of hard to nail down these timelines, but I, I feel like that's also something we always say. So Gary and Claudia are married first. They have Polly. Mm-hmm. Then... Sally and Gary meet at perhaps the best meeting I've ever heard of my entire life at a moon party. And mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, is that like a swinger party? Like a key party? And then you find out, no, it's just, they, they were having a party about the moon landing. And right. I was like, Oh, get my filthy mind out the gutter. <laughs> it was like this really cute little family thing. And I was like, Oh, oh bad. I'm a terrible person. So yes. I've been meaning to tell you, but (laughs) I was watching this and I'm like, okay, are there any events now that the whole world kind of stops and watches? I can't think of anything even in my lifetime after say the Berlin wall coming down. Yeah. That everyone was kind of like, oh shit. Right. It's just, I don't know. Well, certainly not for planned events. I think that there's probably some tragedies that people got together. You're like, oh shit, something's going down. I got to tune in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like nobody watches the Oscars anymore. Nobody's watching The Bachelor to this degree and those kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's interesting to me because this was mm-hmm. yeah this was back in 1969. So mm-hmm. Sally describes this meeting. It's so funny to me. She's mm-hmm. I don't know something about her just doesn't sit right with me. I'll just put that out there, but. I mean, I'm okay with a little bit of woo, but she's just way, way into the woo. Mm-hmm. But she describes it as, so she's at this party. She hears the doorbell ring. She opens the door and she's like, it was like the universe shook. It was cataclysmic. It was lightning. It was, we met each other's eyes and our souls connected. Keep in mind, he's there with his very pregnant wife as well, <laughs> which was Claudia. Yeah. But... <laughs> We don't want to let that into a good story. Yeah. yeah. So they're caught in this vortex or whatever. <laughs> she, Claudia, the old bag, pops that kid out and then they're free to get together. Basically sort of how they yeah. kind of put it down. Within a couple months of Polly being born, he leaves his wife and gets with Sally. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And you're and you're okay being with a man that's willing to do that to someone because that means he's willing to do it to you, is my opinion. Well, I mean, that's 
but that's not part of the universe's plan. I mean, the gotcha. universe didn't say, look, it's going to be a short term <laughs> turning on the ear situation. Like, mm-hmm. I need you to be prepared. Like, this is going to be hot and heavy for some amount of time. And then he's going to meet somebody else at the Geraldo mm-hmm. opens the vault party. And then, you know, that's when he meets the next wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Gary describes, you know, they get married. And he's working, he has this crop duster business and he's working to to build it up so he can sell it and use that money to get out of Hazen, right? Mm -hmm. But then in his words, she has two kids right away. Yeah, Yeah. I caught that too. Yeah. She has two kids right away that I had no part of whatsoever. Yeah. Um, And so he had to buy a house and then then they're kind of stuck there. But I'm like, really, dude? Really? Stupid broads having kids. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i'm picking up what you're saying about sally because at one point she's talking about that everybody around her is super Mm close-minded and you know at the beginning you kind of get the feeling that maybe she's that way too and then as we Mm -hmm. go i'm like oh oh, okay yeah i mean she's just i think he's batshit crazy and Mm -hmm. she's not far behind correct yeah there is a lot yeah so Anyway, the two kids that she had would be Travis and Sarah Lee Mm -hmm. with Travis. So he's kind of how this whole thing, as in the documentary itself, gets legs. Because it's Travis's friend, Craig, who starts filming this, starts asking questions. And so Mm -hmm. you can see different interviews along a time frame, like chronologically, like he talks Mm -hmm. to various people in the family in the 2000s. Several instances through the 2000 teens. teens. Mm -hmm. And so, A, number one, I love the fact that you can see, like, their progression. Like, that's kind of fun to see. I would not say it's always good. These people seem to have suffered for old Gare Bear's actions. (laughs) So, you know, that's problematic. But Travis is really something. I would say he's maladjusted at best. Seems to be a sweet guy. Yeah. But has really had a hard time with various things in his life because of what his dad's done. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say that this, this documentary starts, although we're halfway into the podcast at this point, it starts (laughs) with them discussing a very specific day, September 18th, 1977. So it's Sally and Sarah Lee in the car with Gary and Sarah Lee is really little at this point, like Mm -hmm. three, maybe Yep, they're driving. It's a nice day. They go onto a bridge where the car breaks down, Gary gets out, pops the hood, and then proceeds to jump over the side into the river to commit suicide. One thing I do want to comment on this at this point is, let's recall cars in the 70s, and they're 30 feet long. Yes. And so the hood on this car is 8 feet wide. I know it is. Yes, it blocks everything, yes. Right. So Mm -hmm. it is wholly possible, in my meager opinion, that he could have opened the hood and take a running leap off this bridge not really because there's a big railing but a vault he was young spry he could do it yeah sure. so i do believe the fact that that part of the story could have happened i think nowadays when hoods are smaller and like a lot of things are more compact mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine like how did they not see anything mm-hmm. yeah right oh yeah the, it's huge and she had said it was an el camino which is a huge car <laughs> in my opinion, a very ugly car, but I know people love them. So Mm. buy a car, buy a truck, pick one, just fucking pick one. (laughs) Says the lady who wants a gladiator. So (laughs) 
<laughs> right? No, not really, because the more okay. I see them, the uglier they are. So. Well, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of how this starts, is they're describing how he killed himself. They're speculating. Everyone in town is speculating. Mm-hmm. Why would he do this? How did this happen? Was he into drugs? Was it the Dixie Mafia? Was he like really bad with money and just couldn't take it? Right. Right. What's interesting is Polly says that the last time she saw her dad, it was a couple months before he killed himself, Mm -hmm. that her and her mom drove to an airport. Now they lived in Tennessee, Mm -hmm. so not Arkansas. And they drove to an airport and a private jet flew up and out walks her dad with like big pimp fur coat, afro hair. Big watch. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he walked up to the car, gave her mom a check and then left. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because that didn't seem to be his daily attire. Yeah, it kind of supports the idea that he's into something illegal, perhaps. Nefarious, yeah. Yeah, because I think that was a little bit, at least as far as that we've been told so far, beyond his means, right, is the idea Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Right. So at one point, Craig is talking about how he met Travis. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Late middle school, early high school. Yeah. I can't remember. Like 14 years old. Travis sure. 14. Yep. And Travis is new to school. He has, he's telling the story and a bunch of kids are around him and Craig's like, the fuck, man, this is like my crew. So he walks over and he hears them and Craig's telling everyone that his dad works for the CIA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the other kids are like, well, our dads are lame and they just like go to factories or whatever. But Craig doesn't believe it. He goes to the house, asks Sally hey, what's up with this? And she's like, no, mm-hmm. his dad's dead, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Keep this in mind for later. Keep this in mind right for on, later. Right on, right mm-hmm. on. But yeah, she's like, no, he's dead. Blah, 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 whatever. Right. It's like they also forgot that he had done that later in the documentary. Do you, <laughs> do you feel that way? You get to a point where you're like, wait a second, what? Right. Um, like, you know, at this point I'm all in. Like, oh my God, this guy, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's this... If I had to pick an archetype of somebody who was going to jump off a bridge, it would kind of be this, like, larger-than-life guy that used his, you know, thought he was above everybody and Mm -hmm. got himself in trouble and then had to get out of it somehow. And Mm -hmm. he's the one. And so, yeah, you're like, okay, this makes sense up to a point. And then Mm -hmm. you're finding out there's all this other shit going on. So, yeah. But you're like, wait, this. How does this all go together? So, again, it's a great story. I can't believe it's real. Right? Yes. But I like the fact that I caught from Craig when he's questioning everybody. He's not really satisfied satisfied with a lot of their sketch answers. He's like, mm, and I'm like, good on you, kid, at the ripe old age of 15 or whatever you are. <laughs> right. To be picking up on this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, halfway through the first episode. Mm-hmm. And walks a gentleman, new character that we're going to talk to, mm-hmm. sits down, older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, it's Gary Bestner. Yeah. At 80 years old. He's a ghost. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't die. He didn't die. He didn't jump. Yeah. He faked his death. Yeah. Yeah. Then they go on to tell the story. So, right. again, Sally had two kids. So, you know, they're stuck there. Um, you know, Gary's kind of grown tired of crop dusting. It's not quite so fun anymore. So he decides they need to go up to Alaska. Mm-hmm. He's going to do something with the oil 
something about pipeline. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to make all this money. Right. Well, that felt right. Cause yep. he's an individual person and not a corporation. So mm-hmm. also he didn't file the paperwork or something correctly. There was a little bit of a mention about that. So mm-hmm. I love that he's like mm, stupid red tape that I didn't know about. Well, you know, and then he <laughs> loses like a million dollars or something. So Again, I think this is one of the first incidents that you see where he just kind of avoids all that personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just file that one away too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he starts smoking pot. It was legal in Alaska at the time, mm-hmm. pre-Reagan's war on drugs. So Right, right. And he gets Sally to smoke pot and she was very, you know, anti-drugs. What cracked me up is she's like, she smoked pot for the first time and she's like, I was so pissed. Because they've been lying to me all this time, telling me how it's going to ruin my life. <laughs> yeah, I have that in my notes, too. And I'm like, okay. Can I also say I wrote down Gary finds the pot? Because I just thought that was a fun <laughs> way to write it. But I like when Gary's talking about all this, that he never mentions the kids at this point. I'm like, were the kids there? Right? I mean, Travis has got to be old enough to remember part of this. Well, he was only about five when Gary supposedly jumped. So he would have okay, been... maybe not... It'd have been really little. Sure. So Gary starts smuggling. He's flying still. So he's smuggling alcohol, yep. marijuana, but then realizes that like six months out of the year, you can't fly because the conditions are too bad right. for his tiny little plane. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really make money and they end up going back to Hazen. Mm-hmm. Of all the places to, I guess I understand it. I was like, they keep going back to Hazen as much as they dislike it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, go somewhere else. But I get it. I think her family's there. His family's nearby or something. So I guess. Yeah. I mean, as big a deal as this guy is in his own head, mm. keep landing back there to me is interesting as well. Mm-hmm. But you have support, I suppose, for a young family that evidently keeps making money and then losing it. This is this is the spot to be. Yeah. So can we talk about Gary's ordeal with gout? Dude. Yeah, he got <laughs> gout, which <laughs> sounds horrible. Yeah, I've known people with it. It seems excruciatingly painful. Right, right. But apparently the best cure for gout is the cocaine. Right. So he's saying, look, everybody, I cannot be a crop duster anymore because the gout hurts my feet. Like, it mm-hmm. causes me to swell and I'm, you know, it's just really uncomfortable and I, I can't do it anymore. So he goes to find a cure. And what does he find? Some book called The Divine Plant of the Incas. And... There's this whole big to-do about the cocaine removes uric and lactic acids from your body. And what they recommend is you just swizzle it with some Gatorade and uh, drink her on down to cure your gout. And I find that fascinating. I mean, that, that might very well be true. It might very well be the best cure. That being said, I think that book had said that Coke cures like everything. Oh, like every, everything, every other cure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the magic cure. I, I feel like at that point, you just don't care what you have. And you're like, fuck it. I would like to know what the Incas mixed with their cocaine since they didn't have the Gatorade that I'm aware of. They might have uh, had their own Gatorade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just got a little charge out of that. Mm-hmm. So... Because, you know, Gary has to get his gout cure from somewhere. He ends up in Miami mm-hmm. where he's busted by the DEA mm-hmm. in a sting of some kind. He finds someone to sell him cocaine. It turns out to be the DEA. Well done, sir. Well done. Right. Which makes me wonder, like, how much cocaine he's really buying because isn't cocaine rampant at this time? 
I mean, I've seen Scarface, so yeah. I mean, it was totally <laughs> everywhere there. But it was, uh, I don't know. Apparently, mm-hmm. they were just trying to, to, to stop it. But there were a couple of Miami Dolphins that were there trying to sell the Coke yeah. as well that got busted, which that sucks for their career. Yeah, I just, for somebody that's using it, the way this is described is, I'm assuming small amounts for a medical purpose. He's not dealing, you know, I'm just saying, I just think it's weird that he ends up in the middle of this sting, but you, you are correct when there were some famous cats that were selling it. So maybe it was a little bit more involved, but I'm like, why go after these small fish? That's all I'm saying. Well, they were selling a couple kilos, right? I mean, it was, it was quite a bit that they were selling and I'm, and I'm guessing because he's not living down there, he's getting enough that he can take back up and have for a while. For some time. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets busted. He's facing 20 years in Florida. He's out on bail. And then when he gets back to Arkansas, he's busted again. So there's more time involved for that. Yeah. Can we talk about Sally knew he got busted? Like, she knew. She felt it. She woke up and she could feel his terror and she could feel what was going on because they are so connected in their souls. She Mm -hmm. knew. I mean, I can't talk to you about that, Erin, because I've never felt that level of connection with another human being. Fingers crossed that I will. Fingers crossed that I never will. (laughs) Maybe, maybe now that I have my phone, I don't have to worry about the connection. I can just call you or like get a text or whatever. Yeah. Yes. So I like that Gary says at this point, well, my life's kind of fucked. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do what any good American would do. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to run. Yep. That's what good Americans do. We run. Good Lord. (laughs) So, um. (laughs) This is when he cooks up this plan for the fake suicide. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the late 70s, apparently you get away with that a lot easier. So, Well, I mean, there's not cameras everywhere, right? So I do think that it was probably easier to start over in another place without all the newfangled gadgets we have currently. Not just gadgets, but you think about, I mean, social security numbers have been around for a while then. So I don't know yeah. if he needed that to prove citizenship to work or things like that. You know, if you're going to get a new identity, there's things that you need. Apparently you needed less then. So that's good. Well, I think that you're starting to get the feeling, though, that he's not necessarily concerned with legitimate channels for things. He just, right. he, he doesn't care about your fucking laws. <laughs> <laughs> right. He doesn't agree with them. So. No, he really does not. He's very anti-government, but in a weird mm-hmm. way. So just like, mm-hmm. fuck off government. He couldn't say that anymore if he tried. Oh, he, so. he definitely said that quite a yes. bit. Yeah. Yes. So Gary and Sally started learning self-hypnosis. Yes. I roll city. Yeah. They practiced every night for three weeks Mm -hmm. and he had built the story. He was hypnotizing Sally Mm -hmm. so that she would be believable Mm -hmm. when he faked his death. By the way, I have that they did this bullshit for every weekend for three months. They went to see this guy. Okay. They were learning it from a specific person, but then yes. at home with a, yeah, sure. A long fucking time. His name is Sean Masters, mm-hmm. the expert hypnotist. So I agree with you that they were doing the Cody Fingers self-hypnosis, but that's not self-hypnosis if he's hypnotizing her. So you yeah. know what? I'm a stickler in for accuracy sometimes, but yeah, they were really invested again in this shenanigans. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. a lot of problems with this. I have a ton of problems with this. (laughs) So the story that he is feeding her, that Mm -hmm. she's going to go into a pseudo hypnotic state 
Right. When the shoe hits the water and Uh makes a sound, then she will go into this state and he will have jumped, committed suicide. She will believe it. And also he fed in there in the background. She'll never, ever enjoy sex with another man. And they laugh about this. They think that is hilarious. Yeah. I think that's real gross. It's a fucking dick thing to do. Yeah. So then they kind of set the wheels in motion. They go. They are on the bridge. Hood is raised. He does whatever, you know, quote from a book or whatever that puts her into this trance. Mm-mm, it's the shoe. It's the shoe. This oh, is a big problem I have. Oh, okay. she has she has a she has clothes to throw over the bridge. Okay. And when the shoe hits, she said it hit on the water flat. Keep in mind this is a fairly tall bridge. Well, that's yeah, I thought you were saying that clap woke her up from it, but that's Mm-mm. okay. That's what okay. got her into it. And so okay. she's like it hit hit like it sounded like a gunshot. Okay. First of all, it's really far down. Secondly, I doubt that shoe hit flat. The odds of it hitting flat, that's what you're counting on to get someone yeah. into a hypnotic state? Because, mm-hmm. come on now. no. Maybe they threw the shoe over that every day for three weeks to try to get the trajectory <laughs> right. Fuck, I don't know. I would have been happier if they'd included that detail, but I agree. It's stupid. Right. And then I'm like, when does she come out of it? Mm-hmm. How does she come out of it? At what point does she realize he's not dead? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and then they kind of talk about, so from her perspective, she's there on the bridge for an unspecified amount of time. It's like storming or whatever the fuck. It's very dramatic. Mm -hmm. There's another motorist that comes along. She's like, oh, my God, my husband jumped off the bridge. And so they take her to the police station. She is a wreck. So they actually end up taking her to a psychiatric hospital for, Mm -hmm. you know, to try to deal with her. And her feelings, they don't talk about where Sarah Lee goes. I'm assuming she goes with some family somewhere. Mm-hmm. We don't know. She is eventually released. And yeah, so there's a lot of questioning of her. She keeps her story consistent. And there's there's nothing really else going on. Like they drag the river. They are unable to find him for weeks. They try. Um, there's a, mm-hmm. a sheriff that's like, look, I've never not found somebody when we've had to do this. We have experienced people and, mm-hmm. you know all the experience and, you know, stuff in the world were unable to find him. So I think there were a lot of raised eyebrows, but they couldn't pin anything on her Mm -hmm. and he wasn't to be found. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a good scam. They didn't tell the kids. Right. And she was to be at a specific payphone outside of town Mm -hmm. at a specific time every week, month, whatever to talk to him. Yeah. And I wonder if that must have been the first time when she came out of it. I don't know. I still, listen, you haven't closed this loop for me. I don't believe it. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) We need to get Sean Masters on the phone to be like, look, can you explain this to us, noobs? Yeah. Yeah. So if this were a movie, this would be a great part. But in real life, I think, you know, you are, you are right. It's like, what? I mean, so you practice a lot, but they don't go into the specifics of how it worked, I guess. Maybe there weren't right. any specifics in there. Like, we didn't really think this through. Nobody's going to question us this much. But yeah, so all three of the children have to find out that their dad has killed himself. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows why. I mean, they were all fairly young. Polly was six at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets to find out about it on her birthday, which was swell. Super fun. Yeah. And Travis talks a lot about, you know... The house was very somber. His mom was going to therapy to try to deal with some of her feelings. So, I mean, like, 
this was really quite a production to make this mm-hmm. seem real. Right. So that's really problematic. It's my... something. <sighs> yeah. And then, of course, Gary's sitting there, like, saying how hard it was for him. You know, he had yes. a family and crying. Yes, poor you. Poor fucking Ugh. you. You made this decision, jackass. He talks about how being dead is liberating. I'm sure mm-hmm. it is, right? You have no more responsibilities. You sure. have no more nothing. So he just mm-hmm. rode a motorcycle out west, went yeah. all the way to California, mm-hmm. where he met the Maharaja, <laughs> and he became part of yeah. the cult. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he's <laughs> he is such a weird guy because he's oh. he's very concerned with like being remembered and thought of in a certain way, in my opinion. Yeah, and he talks a lot about. I mean, eventually we're going to do the part where he's smuggling, but he's like, I'm doing it for humankind because everybody should be able to experience all the drugs that they want. And, you know, yeah. like, fuck yeah. off to Reagan. And I agree, but possibly for different reasons. Yeah. But he has a lot of very 60s attitudes about drugs and government and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then he, he meets the the guru, Maharaji, which I don't know what this cat's philosophy was, but he, he talked about that situation. And he's like, yeah, I was like living on the beach, doing saltwater enemas and weed and stealing fruit. And I'm like, well, that sounds fun. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, there's a lot of problems there. Yeah. A lot of problems with that. Yeah. Any religion that makes you do enemas is probably not a good religion. It's probably a cult. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that as a general statement. Yeah. Ugh. I'm uncomfortable just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sally, she's still in Hazen. She's mm-hmm. dealing with the fallout, but they do get to meet up occasionally. So she comes out to LA and they have a couple long weekends and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what a relief yeah. that must be for her. Well, and she's doing it in such a way that's that like, there's all the subterfuge, right? So she mm-hmm. drops the kids off with her mom and then she's like, I'm going to New Orleans to see like King Tut for the first time. And she actually drove to New Orleans, goes to the airport, hops on a plane to go to, mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, okay, do you really think people are tracing you? But, you know, sure. Okay. Well, they're anti-government. So probably I assume they're really (laughs) extremely paranoid. And if they hadn't been, maybe this wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah, it seems like a whole lot of work. Yeah. She does. Travis talks about when they one time she's like, we're going to go to Kansas. We're going to go to Kansas. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay. And they get in a car, they go to the airport, they fly to Kansas. They get off the plane, they get in a car, they drive to a house. They walk in the front door of the house. I think at some point they change their clothes, walk out the back door, get in a car, go back to the airport, and then fly to Hawaii. Oh, my God. That seems excessive. Yeah, it's exhausting. Why'd they go to Hawaii, Erin? Because that's where Gary lived. Gare Bear, um, now named Lucas. Harmony, right? Lucas Noel Harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, peace and love, man. Peace and love. Right, right. Um, they're nudists in uh, in Hawaii. They're growing pot in paradise. Mm-hmm. And again, I have I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Fucking kids. Well, the the kids are there and naked also too, nudists. Apparently, yeah. Uh, <sighs> whatever. I mean, it's a human body. They get used to it. You. I, I had a lot of friends whose parents were regularly naked around their house and they just never thought much of it. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay, well, that makes me feel better. Okay, you're right. You'd have to be taught that that's wrong before. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And all so right. that didn't bother me. What What's interesting is they did, they all four of them seemed to talk about how that was the best couple years yeah. of their lives. It was, yeah. 
I mean, they were just living off the land. They were living in paradise. It was an amazing time. To, you know, mm-hmm. they got to be with their dad. One, they found out their dad was still alive, and then they got to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. And they said he was really different at this point, yeah. right? Like he was really into that hippie lifestyle. <laughs> like, yeah, I assume he was really laid back because, you know, he didn't have to sweat the vast amounts of prison time. Mm-hmm. Also. What happened to the gout? Do you just I was do cocaine t- one time with the Gatorade and then the gout is cured? I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I do know, I do know that gout can flare up. Like, so it's oh, not okay. like this all the time thing. I think it, there are times where it's really bad and times where mm-hmm. it gets less bad. So sure. maybe, maybe only eating fruit and smoking pot means uh, maybe the salt enemas help. I don't know. Fuck. We never I mean, hear about it again, though. That's for sure. We sure don't. We <laughs> sure don't. And I'm like, that's convenient, right? Like, oh, I had gout. Yeah. Had to do the drugs. There's I no mean, other option. I didn't have. I mean, the Inca said so. You can't disregard that kind of knowledge. And you also really can't ask them about it because they all got lost. So it's convenient. Yeah. Lost, slaughtered, you know, <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> so at one point in time, yeah, I mean, they're, they're growing... They're growing the marijuana because she has pictures of herself next to these huge buds. I, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fertile so, soil out there. Yeah. Those volcanoes. Mm. And so, you know, the police kind of get wind of it and they come and knocking at the door mm-hmm. to which Sally answers butt ass naked. Good for you, yeah. girl. Throw them off. That's man. right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they won't ask about anything right. if they see your tits. And she was stunningly beautiful. Oh, she really was. Did she look a lot like Laura Dern? When she was younger, yes, didn't she? Yeah, hundred percent. She's a, she's a beautiful woman. Um, mm-hmm. so I hope that they were like, Whoa! but of course it was Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They're they're probably not the only ones that were nudists out there. So true, true. Um, also at this point, can I say to you, only two out of the three children know that their dad is alive. Polly right. has no idea what the fuck's going on. Nope. So just just think about that, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they do get taken in. They mm-hmm. they let Sally get dressed first. That's nice of them. I hope she wore something see-through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me grab right. this robe. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. sheer, sheer shirt. But both Gary and Sally get arrested and taken in. The problem with that is it's only a misdemeanor, so it wouldn't have been an issue other than the fact that once they run them prints, they're going to know exactly who he is. Yeah. Right? So, yep. so now they have to leave again. Right. And Sally and the kids go back to Hayes in Arkansas once mm-hmm. again. Right. And Gary goes elsewhere. So mm-hmm. they had this small time in paradise, and then they're back to the shit show of Arkansas. Right. So Gary's in Miami. He's fixing planes for the guru. Yep. And he runs into a guy named Raven, which is absolutely par for the course. Yes, it is. So this is where the smuggling starts. The DEA is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that as a crop duster, he's learned some very valuable skills to help evade the long arm of the law. Mm-hmm. Also, we didn't really talk about, he was in the Navy. He was a pilot. Mm-hmm. Evidently, the Top Gun instructor said he was the best that he'd ever seen. And I'm like, well, that's convenient. Is that what Gary no. said? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's no follow-up. And I have done enough of these documentaries now that I trust nothing that anybody says that can't be, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. Can I get call them up and ask about that, please? Uh, yeah. This is very self-serving. Um, so he understands. Yeah. He understands radars and some of the, you know, all that stuff. And so, yeah, I can imagine that he had the great skill set to do this work. Mm-hmm. So. 
Right. And he talks about how most drug smugglers do one or two runs, make enough money, and then take that money and do something else. But he enjoyed it. So he's he's running marijuana at this point. Right. But he was doing like daily runs and he enjoyed doing it. He enjoyed liberating the minds of the world. Ugh. It is very much that, like, oh, I'm a servant of mankind instead of, like, uh, I like drugs and money. <laughs> right? Let's just be honest, dude. Come right? on now. Right? Yeah. So. But, yeah, he flew regularly until uh, Operation Tiburon, mm-hmm. which was part of Reagan's war on drugs and took out almost all the marijuana growers in Colombia. Mm-hmm. So there goes that. Damn. Yeah. I think it's funny because it's like, well... And then we replaced it with something worse. Right. Which seems accidental. So Mm -hmm. one trip, they're on their way back. He loses an engine, has to do an emergency landing in some rando island in the Bahamas. Right. Happens to be like an outlaw island, of -hmm. course. And he meets George. Mm -hmm. I have his last name written down somewhere. I can't. Morales. George Morales, who was apparently a famous, like he raced boats. And yeah. he was well known for that. Yeah. It wasn't enough for him to be a famous Mm-mm. race boat guy. Like, a, you know what I mean? Like, he had fame and money and stuff, but that wasn't enough. So then also he was a smuggler. He mm-hmm. had pilots that flew contraband everywhere for him. And these two hook up and they're basically of like minds. Right. And so Gary goes to work for George. Yes. Smuggling cocaine. Yeah. Which is much, much more lucrative, apparently. Yeah. yeah. We meet Ed, who is the estate manager, who talks about... He was he was the estate manager for Gary when he lived in Coconut Grove, Florida. And he's mm-hmm. doing this cocaine smuggling. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there were hidey holes everywhere with cash and cocaine just shoved everywhere. Just mm-hmm. money, bundles of money everywhere. Everywhere, even. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And also, old Ed talks about he sees Gary having sex all the time. Let me put that again. He knows Gary's having sex all the time. He describes a couple things that I don't really want to get into. Mm -hmm. But I think to myself, boy, Gary's, you know, it must have been difficult for him to be boning everybody when he's such a family man. (laughs) So concerned with his family back in Hazen Mm -hmm. and the kid Mm -hmm. that still thinks that he's dead. Mm -hmm. Because he, you know, every time he gets in trouble, he's like, well, I just couldn't take it for my family. And I'm like, fuck off with this family man shit. You yeah. are a douchebag. Yep. Yeah. You are living that Scarface life and you don't give a fuck. Right. You're like, oh, okay. So sorry, rant over, but I'm like, Ed knows all the dirt. I wish Ed had featured a little bit higher in this because I, I was like, oh, the stories Ed could tell. I need more Ed. More. I know. <laughs> yes. So. At this point, we learn that uh, old Gary is working for Pablo Escobar, right? So George is actually working for Pablo Escobar. Of course, because this whole podcast comes back to who knew Pablo Escobar <laughs> any time ever. Yes. But Gary is like, you know, he he should be renowned, not just for what he did with the drugs, but, you know, just in general, he was just such a great guy. And I'm like, I don't think all the people that have their family members murder would really agree with that well i think he's a weird figure in that way though because i think he was in some ways loved and i think oh yeah you're absolutely correct he was vicious 
in other ways. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. just controversial. Mm-hmm. So I think since George didn't know anybody that died by his hand directly, maybe that he's a fan. Yeah. He's clearly a fan, but he talks about how Pablo learned about his family, knew his name, like his oh, yeah. real name, not Lucas, yeah. his real name knew about his family, knew he had faked his death, knew even about Claudia and Polly mm-hmm. kind of followed him, took pictures of everyone. So, so Gary knew that Pablo knew about all this, like, listen, don't right. fuck me over. And Gary's like, it's fine because I never planned on fucking him over. And I'm like, I don't know that anyone goes into it planning on <laughs> fucking him over. Yes. They're all like, I'm going to get it over on Pablo Escobar. Like nobody, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Know. Like Circumstances are such that you, you know, Oh, hilarious. Also, could you imagine how scary it would be if somebody knocked on your door and they're like, hey, I'm just going to need a a quick photo of you and the kids? Mm-hmm. No. I think that's when you just move. Well, Polly said that's when her mom started sleeping with a gun. Yeah, she did. She did say mm-hmm. that. Because they have no point of reference to this. They don't know who's right. alive. They don't know right. anything. They just were some weirdos. Showed up to them in at nice Wendy's. Suits. Yeah. Yeah. And then showed up at their door. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Let's go back to Coconut Grove and we'll talk about Gary and his girlfriend. And uh, Sally comes to visit. And where right. she where she gets to stay. So Gary tries to sell this. He's got this new chicky babe. And he's trying to sell it to Sally like they're going to be a throuple, right? This mm-hmm. is going to be a great thing. All three of us, we're going to love one another. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, sure, right? She's mm-hmm. free loving, whatnot. Sure. She gets there. And Gary and the girlfriend are up in the bedroom. And Sally is in the room with the kids. Essentially yeah. got shunted to the couch. Right. I, I looked at that and I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I was like, uh-uh. Ooh. That's exactly when you're like, sorry, kids, we're out. And then you leave and you don't come back. I mean. Well, like, what on earth is he thinking? Like, she, she know all the dirt on him. I mean, for her to go to the 5-0 and be like, look. I have some sweet, sweet deets <laughs> on one Gary Betzner. So, but he's just like, nah, we cool. Mm-hmm. You can have the smaller suite. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you're a rat bastard. So mm-hmm. anyway, so then she leaves. She's like, fuck off. Well, he, he left, he goes off and he, right. he's like doing whatever and leaves yeah. her there with the kids and probably this chicky babe. And eventually she's like, fuck this and just leaves. Right. Exactly. I mean, but it's. Jesus Christ. Yes. So then old Gary has a run in with a CIA who also knew his real name. So then one wonders how well were they keeping this secret? Because mm-hmm. you do find out along the way that there are people that helped him escape. There are people that helped him, you know, so I think it really, I don't know why they, the cops couldn't find these, but I mean, maybe they're just not so motivated. But, but also back in the 70s, it's not like they had computers and internet and they talked true. one another. It was a very different world. Yeah. And at that point, Gary becomes a gun runner. Right. They're like, here, you're working for us now. Mm-hmm. You're going to put these guns in your plane mm-hmm. and take them to Nicaragua right? And Costa Rica, mm-hmm. which is interesting. He flew into, he went to a military base in Miami. Mm-hmm. They loaded it with weapons. And then he flew to Nicaragua to another military base or whatever. And they offloaded the plane. Yeah, and he takes it to the middle middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right? So that first one, I think, the first one, it just goes to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. The second one, he goes to Costa Rica, or mm-hmm. one of the later ones, he goes to Costa Rica. And that's where he is in the middle of nowhere and meets John Hall. Mm-hmm. 
who is a patriotic American who's fighting against communism. Right. So he's a CIA contact. That's who this, yes. this cat is. Mm-hmm. So for our fans of history, what this means is Gary's found his way into the Iran contract Contra affair. scandal. Yeah. Yeah. But they would unload the weapons there and then load it back up with cocaine. And he would mm-hmm. fly back. And mm-hmm. he would fly back to the United States with a special transponder code so they wouldn't fuck with him. He'd I guess. He'd fly into an airport, yep. park the plane, and head on out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm feeling safer already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Government hard at work there. <laughs> oh, fun for us. So... Also, let's talk a little bit about, I think we talked about Raven, but we didn't talk specifically about the fact that Raven, he got to the point where he was uncomfortable because they started dealing with larger amounts of money and more drugs and sketchier peeps. And he was like, look, I, I just don't feel good about this. I'm going to quit. So then Gary got a new co-pilot. His name was Richard. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Raven was like, once you start dealing with cocaine, it's just, no. Yeah. It's just not for me, man. Yeah. But Richard, Richard was a his co-pilot for a while until one time they're at a house in the middle of nowhere doing mm-hmm. the drug smuggling. And apparently Richard, they thought Richard was flirting with the wife of one of the guys and they mm-hmm. decided to just shoot him right there. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. He's standing next to Gary. They just shoot him. Mm-hmm. And Gary was like, okay, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Please just give him a good burial and yeah. uh, check you later. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. And then he said, um, he was like, I couldn't have any kind of reaction at the time. But he was like, I cried the whole way home. And I was like, again, I'm sorry for your loss, Gare Bear. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just. Right. Well, and this is how, uh... think about it, if this is how the family just now found out. Because his whole family, Richard's family, thought he had drowned in like a plane crash or something. Right. Right. But that is on the way back. He's flying back with the mm-hmm. drugs in the plane. Mm-hmm. And he decides, this is it. I can't do it anymore. That's mm-hmm. kind of what pushed him over the edge. He's like, that's it. I'm going clean. Yep. However, he gets off the plane. They load the drugs into the car. They won't all fit. So there's some drugs still in the plane, I guess. And the car drives off and he sees the car mm-hmm. gets stopped promptly by the cops right off the airport. And so he right, freaks out, right. he runs, he finds some clothes, he changes, he steals a truck, he drives to a hotel, and he's like, okay, whew, I'm safe. No, they come mm-hmm. knocking at a store. They get him. Yeah, they find him. So, yeah, he's busted, and this is all of 1984, and it's found out who he really is. He's been going by Lucas Harmony or something. He had a number of aliases. Several, yeah. One was a chiropractor, and he actually learned practice yeah Mm-mm. Mm-mm. yeah and they show him like giving somebody an adjustment and they always seem like so hard to watch you know what i mean Mm-mm. when you watch a chiropractor like a video and i'm like oh, oh that can't be right it's watching the neck i can't oh watch. god I'm like you're gonna rip their head off right yeah i know that, i know the human body is tough but like from somebody who like threw their back out getting up off the floor like <laughs> My leg is still numb to this day. So uh, not the whole way, please. I have some sensation. But yeah, you're like, I'm glad you have to go to school for that or just be a really good mimic. So anyway. Yeah. 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 So um, I like the way that they kind of gloss over the trial, too. He's like, well, I was going to trial, got convicted. 27 years. 27 years. Let's also point out that, um, again, Sally knew she could feel it. She felt it deep down. (laughs) 
She knew, but she didn't tell anyone because they saw it in the newspaper. The kids saw it in the newspaper at the grocery store that mm-hmm. he had been found because here, I mean, that's a big deal in Arkansas because this guy was supposed to be dead. Now all of a sudden he's found and caught drug smuggling. Right. This is also how Polly found out her dad wasn't dead. Yes. Yeah. So she wants to go and see him. So her mom takes her to Jacksonville mm-hmm. to some building, not a jail. Yeah. And they bring him in and he's in those weird, like, multiple layers of chains. Like, chains around your ankles, chains around your waist, chains around your hands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's asking for him to be unchained a little bit so they can hug it out. And they, you know, the jailer is cooperative and so they give each other a hug. And I was kind of annoyed because he was like, oh my god, I've missed you so much. And I'm like, bitch, you didn't miss anybody. No. No. You were living your life. You didn't give a fuck. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that made me annoyed. And then she has to deal with the fact that not only did she just find out, but then she finds out that other people knew, like the family, like Sally's Sally knew. and Travis yeah. sincerely. Yeah. And she's like, why not me? Why wouldn't you tell me? Yeah. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of flash between Travis and Sarah Lee and they, you know, they're like, yes, she was very upset about this. At least Sarah Lee is like, yeah, I totally empathize with her. Now, none of these kids had a choice in this. I I don't put it on them because Travis and Sarah Lee were sworn to secrecy and like, you know, kind of had a lot of responsibility. If they let the secret out, their dad would be, you know, whatever. And that's not fair to them. But no. the stuff about the kids is just extremely aggravating, in my opinion, here. Well, so. let's, let's talk about that for just a second, because Travis does say, you know, he couldn't tell anyone, he was sworn right. to secrecy, he kept the secret this whole time, blah, 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 blah. He says that quite a bit. And then, let's let's go back to the first episode where we remember that, no, no, he was telling friends that his dad worked Debs for the CIA. The CIA. Yeah. Yeah, so which one is it, Travis? Which one is it? Were you lying about your dad or were you lying for your dad the whole time? You the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he just... Um, I, I think for both Sarah Lee and Travis, but you see it more with Travis, you can tell because of all the shit that happened to them when they were young, they mm-hmm. desperately need, they need the, some attention and, and they build things up bigger and mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I think Travis is homeless. He seems to be living in a van on his mom's property. Yeah. Right. And then Sarah Lee said something weird that she was like, all the men in my life seem to die early. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's just a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I know one inst- instance where that's not the case. Right. right. You know, you were told and then, you know, but again, I think, what kind of distrust in the world does that put on a person when they're like, well, your dad died. We don't really know why um, he killed himself, which is extremely traumatic, you know, for the people left behind. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that then you find out oh he didn't do it he was just trying to get out of having to go to jail Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and then they catch him anyway to go to jail later so I mean like I I don't know how you would really feel good about anything that's going on in the world you know with those truths also happening around you yes lots of therapy they need lots of therapy still yes okay so while Gary's in prison he runs into George Mm mm-hmm and they're imprisoned. I mean, it's kind of nice, I guess. See people you know, they hang out, they play chess. And smoke weed. Did you catch that? Yeah. Okay. 
but Gary wants to bitch about, uh, well, if you just want to be miserable in prison, you can. I mean, life does happen there. And then he talks about, I mean, okay, I think that there would be a lot of people who are like, I think it'd be okay smoking weed and playing chess all day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But Gary's like, no, no, I'm of the mind that I have to escape. Yes, he plans mm-hmm. an escape. Are you fucking mm-hmm. kidding me? Anyway, so he plans an escape. He still has a helicopter, and so he needs someone to fly it in, land in the yard. He'll jump on, and they'll take off, and then he'll go live with his new wife. By the way, he has a new wife and child, mm-hmm. and he'll go live with them in like Jamaica or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he needs someone to fly the helicopter. And there's another gentleman in there, not George, that also wants to get the fuck out because of his family mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, everyone probably wants to get the fuck out anyway. And that's fine. I'm not saying like, I'm just saying I have the other people may actually want to get out to be with their families, but I don't, I just don't believe that Gary was of that mind. I think it was Correct. convenient. Mm-hmm. Correct. So this other guy happens to know a pilot and Gary's talking to the pilot. They set everything up. George was going to come as well. And then George is like, nah, never mind. I'm not going to go. So then it's just the two. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that the pilot he's been speaking to is actually the FBI. So the other guy had to have been in on it then too, right? I don't know because they both got sent to the hole. So maybe someone else gave him that name. Well, they, okay. Because they say that George didn't want to go because he thought it was a sketch. Yeah. Yeah. But the other guy, like the unnamed other guy, Mm -hmm. he was the connection to the pilot. But would Mm -hmm. he not know that that pilot was an FBI agent? I don't know. This is the hammiest escape I've ever heard of in my life. I understand this is the 80s and and it's going to be a different situation, but he was going to meet, they were going to go out into the yard at 730. So who the fuck Mm -hmm. are you bribing to get out? Because you can't just wander out into the yard whenever you want. (laughs) They're smoking pot in there. I thought that was not. I think he went to like white collar prison. I would think he went to like ritzy prison. Ritzy prison. I don't know. I guess the guards just didn't give a fuck. But I guess not. They go out there at 7.30 at the agreed upon time. And he sees his helicopter, which he knows the sound of. It sounds different than mm-hmm. every other helicopter of in the world. Mm-hmm. And then he sees that there are agents in it. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, fuck. And he turns around and goes back in. Right. Which they then get put in the hole because they try right. to escape. And, yeah. and that was the end of that story. Well, yeah. So he and George are in the hole together and they're fed up because they haven't brought this on themselves at all. Mm -mm. (laughs) I was like, dude. So they're like, okay, now we're going to sell our story to, well, not sell our story. We're going to tell our story to the world because they knew that they had the dirt on some people. Right. And this is right during the Iran Contra. Sorry, my dog in his sleep flipped a little door thingy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so this is the trials are going on. Now, these were televised trials that were mm-hmm. on all the time with Oliver North. And, I mean, I remember them. Oh, yeah. I remember one of my best friends at the time. Her dad was in the Air National Guard. He was a colonel. And so he was really invested in it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big to-do. And it was on the news. And I'm sure they knew they could see that. It wasn't just, right. like, in the newspaper and that. But, yeah, so they're like, listen, we're going to tell our story because they were doing a lot of that for the government and they were hoping that if they could remind the government that they were there that maybe the government would help them and get them out right right it didn't work that way but it really didn't so they write letters and the letters reach journalists and I did like the fact that 
there was a journalist who was talking about like, look, all of the journalists were super pumped about what happened at Watergate and investigative journalism was, I don't know, kind of the trending thing, let's say it that way. So Mm -hmm. I think people were getting very excited when they found out little tidbits of like, ooh, somebody's got this. And so, I mean, I think there was, I don't know, kind of, this is what I think of as journalism, like the digging and the trying to find, you know, like make the big Mm -hmm. story. And yeah, so. Right. So real brief for those people who aren't familiar with Iran Contra. Sure. There, there is a, a gentleman who actually has a podcast about it who does a good job of kind of summarizing it real well. Yes. And I'm going to actually have to listen to that podcast now. I know. But they're two separate things. At the time, you have people who have been taken hostage in, what, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And Reagan was like, we will not negotiate with terrorists, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. they can't get them out. And you also have this war going on in Nicaragua where Reagan wanted to support the Contras because listen, we can't have this communism, right? Two separate things that end up coming together. So what they decided is they found out that there were people in Iran who had connections with the terrorists in Lebanon who could help get the hostages out, but they wanted weapons. So Mm -hmm. if America sold weapons to Iran, they would get the hostages out of Lebanon. They Mm -hmm. then took that money and used it to support the Contras in Nicaragua. And that money then bought cocaine. So they weren't just giving money. They were buying something to support. And that cocaine was then brought back to the United States and fed into the low-income, predominantly Black neighborhoods by the government. Yeah. Well done. Super swell. Mm -hmm. And this is to the tune of about $30 million. So, yeah. Go Team America. Yeah, and let's, yeah, that's what I was going to say, and I don't know why it is that everybody has such a hard-on for Reagan. Yeah, his trickle-down economics has fucked everyone except for the five (laughs) people at the top. Yes. But by the time anything came out, any of his policies had their their comeuppance, he was out. It didn't affect him, right? He was done. So that's part of the problem. The big thing with the Iran-Contra scandal was... Did Reagan know? They're trying to figure out how much Reagan... They knew our government was all. They knew the CIA. They knew the Pentagon. They knew all these things. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know if Reagan was involved. Right. And he played dumb real, real well. I mean, he was an actor <laughs> before he was a president. Not a good one, but uh, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the way Gary and George feed into this is they couldn't use government assets to run weapons, uh, Mm -hmm. mines, they could not do that. So they used these guys that they could lean on, the pilots and the drug smuggling were kind of their patsies in this, right? And so I Mm -hmm. love the fact that Gary thought, they're going to take care of us. I'm like, (laughs) right? right? It's adorable. Like, oh my God, dude. Mm -mm. Yes, you're right, that they really care about you. You were just convenient. And uh, then you got caught and that also was convenient for them. So Very um, convenient, yeah. 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 So they do talk to somebody and they give him the dirt. Brian Barger. There you go. And I do love the way he describes Gary. That he was like, well, most smugglers don't use their product. Hmm. But that was not the case with Gary. He mm-hmm. and his wife did cocaine enemas. And I'm like, oh my God, please stop with the enemas. That's right. Stop putting shit up your ass, Gary. What? <laughs> yes. But also that just leads into why... That's not necessary. That that serves no purpose in the story. 
Yeah. Why would you say that? You're just saying it because you want a response. You want people to react to you a specific way. And that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that, that turns me off when I'm talking right. to someone. I'm it's like, sensationalized. And now I no longer believe anything you fucking say. And a lot right. of the, what he did was true. And that fucking cocaine and enemas were probably true too. But it serves no purpose mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. Fucking Gary. Yeah. No, I absolutely understand that. Yeah. So Brian says that they talked I don't know if it was just to George or if it was the two of them for like 400 hours. They had mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm sure the prison guys, I mean, the prison wardens and stuff loved having to set this up all the time. Maybe they were getting right. some kickbacks out of it. I don't know. But I'm just Probably. like, I thought there were some limits, but maybe because they're journalists, there's not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they discussed that all the news networks wanted to talk to George and Gary. Even, like, the BBC was like, hey, this is actually interesting, whatever right. you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, that means also the government wanted to talk to George and Gary. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the time when Senator John Kerry starts an investigation. So he realizes there's more going on here. Mm-hmm. And part of the Iran-Contra scandal, they didn't discuss the drug portion of it. They just discussed mm-hmm. the weapons portion of it. And he realizes there's more to it. And so he starts mm-hmm. this investigation. And it took a, a couple years. Yeah. But he had some hearings and they they bring George in. Not George. They bring Gary yeah. in mm-hmm. to actually testify at these hearings. And he's... He has all the information. He has all the details, even without them telling him he connects John Hall to it all, which mm-hmm. they're like, and there it is. That's what yep, connects that's what everything. we needed. Yeah. 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 It was not good mm-hmm. for the government, but by the time it came out, the public didn't care anymore. They moved on mm-hmm. and Reagan was out. It didn't tarnish yeah. his reputation at all. He was out. No, nope. I'm sure it didn't help Bush because he was a one-term president, but you know, right. Yeah. I don't know. It's all pretty fucked up. Yeah. There's a lot of comments you could make about like, it's unfortunate the public didn't care. It's unfortunate that it took this long for the the whole thing to come out. I mean, there are many ways that you could really go with this, but you know, I think at the beginning, Gary was probably pretty valuable, but at the end it really didn't, you know, he lost Mm -hmm. his leverage. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Well, and I think he had hoped that maybe John Kerry or any of them would help him. And his lawyer mm-hmm. had discussed that they tried. They tried to reduce his sentence. Right. The lawyer did. Mm-hmm. But they refused to reduce his sentence. They would not do anything for him. And other people who had testified, other people who had helped, did get mm-hmm. their sentences reduced, but not not him. So, Interesting. Yeah. But before he testified, he was warned that, you know, People who take on the CIA, the DEA, even the the drug lords, you have to be careful because those people disappear. They have accidental drug overdoses. They end up dead. They end up missing. And so Mm -hmm. this is a huge risk you're taking, but he did it anyway. So good for him. Well, there's even a story he tells about they like take him in a room and they're like uncuff him or whatever and just leave him there. And they're like, don't leave. (laughs) And yeah. so, you know, he gets up and he's like, I'm fucking out of here. And then he realizes, is there more going on here? So he ends up staying in the room rather than. Yeah. He looks out and he can yeah. see there are like people with guns everywhere. Yes. Waiting for him to run. Yeah. That's his perception, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, he, of course, with his giant brain, uh, narrowly escaped <laughs> certain death. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's true. It's hard to say. It just seems kind of out there. It does. Yeah. He ends up serving his time. He mm-hmm. serves his time. He gets out. 
And that's that's really kind of the end of George's. Why do I keep calling him Georgetown? That's the end of Gary's story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they discuss a little bit how Travis and Sarah, when they were teenagers, did stupid shit. Like Travis ended up in military school mm-hmm. because of it. Sarah changed her name because she didn't want to be associated with it. Yeah. I know I also did a lot of really stupid shit as a teenager and I didn't have any of this in my life. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes kids do stupid things. Well, your dad was a pilot, so he was, maybe that is Causa- the connection. Causation, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and now Gary lives with his fifth wife's mother or something. Yeah. And it's, I think, possibly a step down from where he lived in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What did, where did I write that? Coconut Grove? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit less. Yeah. So it's sort of like he's been married five times because he doesn't understand what the common denominator in these relationships is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just sort of like, okay. Yeah. You have Travis living in a mm-hmm. van and on his mom's property. You have mm-hmm. Sarah Lee discusses how, you know, she doesn't feel like she's a good mother because she never really had that in her life. Good parenting. Mm-hmm. The only one that seemed to be all right is Polly. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's better off for not having him in her life all the time. I agree. He just seems like a really selfish guy at the end of the day. Like he, I mean, he's, he's had an amazing life. Was it worth it for spending Years and years and years in jail? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I would say it's kind of an unsatisfying ending. I mean, he got his comeuppance, I guess. But yeah, it's just sort of like, well, all right. Yeah, it is unsatisfying. And he he even admits at the end, he's like, I'm a coward. I will run every chance I get if I have to. I'm not going to get caught in any bad situation. I was like, well, at least you're honest about that, if nothing else. And Sally discusses how no one talks about the people left behind, right? Yeah. When they, when they go do the stupid shit, she's, she's the one raising kids. She's the one living a normal life. Well, I think it's even weird that he says though, that he's going to run every time because he doesn't want to face consequences. And I said, he, you, you did, you had to face consequences despite the running. You know what I mean? So I'm like, it's, mm-hmm. I would vote for the running didn't work. Eventually it didn't. I mean, yeah. it did for a while. Yeah. So anyway. It's a great story. It was a great story. I don't mm-hmm. think it had to be three one-hour-long episodes. I think you could have done it in two. You could have sure. you could have shrunk it in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, it just everyone telling the story is so sensational, and so it takes mm-hmm. some of the realism out of it. Even though I believe that most of the stuff happened, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because you're so far removed from it that now it's become this huge to do. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really talk about Sally and her acting. I thought that part was that interesting that she sold it as well as she did. Mm-hmm. Well, but she was hypnotized, Erin. She was hypnotized. <laughs> but again, I'm just like, I hate the fact that she wasted time on this nonsense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I would like to say that we've moved past this, like, do anything for your man bullshit stuff. But I don't know. I mean, I guess this was 50 years ago now at this point, but. Almost. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was a good documentary. I recommend, I recommend even watching it, but yeah, watch it understanding that it's, uh, it's glorified on some aspects and I don't think he deserves it. And someone else made that comment too. They're like, I don't think he deserves to have a documentary about him because he's a dick. Yeah. But I mean. I think it's the people with this kind of chutzpah that 
pull the stuff off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing that most people don't have is just the belief that you can fly over the river and dip your wheels in and that's it. Or to drop mm-hmm. beers to the farmers in the fields. Like that's pretty slick. I wish, mm-hmm. I wish he would have just stopped there. <laughs> right. I right. think that would have made a better story just that he was an amazing pilot and did those kinds of things. I guess it was the cause. Of, I mean, you know, it was the gout. Really, if he hadn't had gout, everything would have been fine. Yes. He yeah. never would have done the cocaine. <laughs> yes. He never would have needed all that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Shall we move on to next week? Let's shall. What are we doing next okay. week? Next week, we are going to do Downfall, the case against Boeing. This is uh, released in 2022 on Netflix, running about an hour and 30 minutes. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, another nice scandal, I'm guessing. I haven't seen it myself, so. It's pretty good, and it's it's hard to watch a little bit, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, okay. We're going to ask that you guys rate, review, and subscribe. Um, You can find us on the interwebs on Twitter and Instagram at GoDocYourself. Yeah, so. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week. All right, later. Bye.